Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Um, Wednesday before last, our first Wednesday that we uh, actually uh, opened back again, the Lord had me to uh, begin a subject that I refer to as rely on the realm of answers. Rely on the realm of answers. And almost 10 years ago, Uh, He had me studying along this line, and the result of that study uh, is the book, Finding God's Answers. And the emphasis of that book is learning how to receive from the Word and learning how to receive from the revelation of the Spirit of God, the revelation of the Word and the revelation of the Spirit, the answers that we need specifically for our life. And there is not one thing that God is not prepared to lead us through. There's not one situation that we can encounter that God has set himself aside and said, I'm not going to help you with that. He will help us with every decision, whether it is a small decision or a large decision, whether it's a life-changing decision or just a decision about what's the best choice in this, you know, natural daily affair. God wants to be... Uh, leading us because if we are led by his spirit, which is our inheritance, those who are sons of God, Romans 8 says, are led by the spirit of God. That's part of my inheritance, this leading. If I have that leading, then I'm going to live accurately. I'm I'm going to uh, save myself a lot of time because I won't have to have do-overs. If I do it right the first time, I don't have to back up and do it over again. I don't have to correct a lot of mistakes and spend years wasted in the wrong direction because it seemed good to the mind. Instead, I can be accurate and I can be on target with God's plan, with God's purpose. I can be uh, keeping pace with Him. Amen? And so this is something that we need to learn how to live. It's it's, uh, another way to describe it is walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is, is very natural to us as believers because we're, we're spiritually alive. We're born again. It's not something weird. It's not something uh, that is strange to us. But walking in the Spirit is our way of walking. And walking in the Spirit is a faith walk. Walking in the Spirit is a walk of peace. Walking in the Spirit is a walk of joy, a walk of victory. We're going to experience all the flows of the kingdom when we're walking in the Spirit. Righteousness, joy, and peace. Those are the flows of the kingdom, right? So walking in the Spirit is uh, being, uh, you could say, living from your inner man. Overriding and, and renewing the mind, overriding any carnal thought and renewing the mind so that your mind becomes spiritually Uh, responsive so that your mind uh, will cooperate with your spirit that's the purpose of the renewing of the mind so that your mind will cooperate because if a person doesn't renew their mind then when their spirit tries to lead them in line with the spirit of God or the word of God their carnal mind will try to reason them out of it and shut them down from that direction well that doesn't make sense well, there are some things, you know, when, when the word of God told the widow to go borrow vessels and not a few, that didn't make sense. When, when the prophet of God looked at the widow and said, go make me a cake first to this widow who is about to make her last cake and eat it and die, he said, make me a cake. That didn't make sense. When, when the prophet said to Naaman to go dip in the river, That didn't make sense. He he walked away offended because it didn't make sense. That's the dirtiest river in the region. Why would he send me to that? There's a lot more prestigious rivers for me to be. If he's going to ask me to dip 
You know, why don't he send me to dip in the one that's fancy? You know, it didn't make sense, and he almost missed the plan of God because his mind, thankfully, he had someone who was spiritually sensitive to say, you know, it, 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 it wasn't a hard thing he asked. Why don't you at least go dip and try it, you know? Why don't you just act on that word? And so the renewed mind is quick to cooperate with the spiritual leadings of God in your heart. And, and you'll be able to recognize this is God. This is not just me. The more that you practice receiving from him, the more that you, because when I first started walking with God, one of the first questions that I had, the first question I had was, how do I know the plan of God for my life? And the second question was, how do I hear the voice of God? Because I wasn't raised in church and I didn't have a clue. And all these people in church saying, well, the Lord spoke to me. And I thought, you are weird. What do you mean God spoke to you? What? I hadn't been raised in church. It was normal talk for them. You know, it was normal talk. And it's normal for us to say, well, you know, I was praying and the Lord led me. But for a person who's never walked with God, that sounds odd. That sounds out there. You mean God is leading you? about the, the trip you took to work. God is leading you about which car to buy. God is leading you about... And they think it's weird when we think this is our way of living. Amen? Amen. And so I wanted to know how to hear the voice of God. I did not know at that time, but I knew He had saved me and I knew He had delivered me from drugs and I knew, I knew it was God. I knew it, it could not... I knew for a fact... That, that he was working in my life. So I did not want to miss it and go back to the way I had lived before. So I wanted to know, Amen. how do I know God's plan? Come on. Come on. And secondly, how do I hear his voice? Yes. And as I began to ask different people in the church, do you know, a lot of them couldn't tell me. They were, well, well, you just know. Well, well, you know, well, honey, you just got, you'll just learn to recognize. No, finally. I asked the right person. I asked my pastor's wife. She's my mother-in-law today. I asked her, and she gave me such a clear answer. She said, first, learn to recognize God speak to you through his word. Oh, that's one of the best things we could ever teach anybody. And it's one of the best structures we could establish for ourselves. If, if you learn to hear him in his word... If you learn to hear him in his word, he'll speak to you through his word. Then when you hear his spirit, you'll already know his voice. If he speaks to you outside of the word. And what do I mean by that phrase outside of the word? There are some things that there's no scripture to cover it. For instance, which is the best house for you to buy? There's no scripture that says, thus saith the Lord, buy uh, 271 uh, Meacher Street uh, or, 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 or instead of, uh, you know, the other address. No, there's, but there's still a leading for that. He wants you to get the best house for that's going to fulfill your joy. He's going to want you to get the best built house. He, he knows which house has the best parts of it. And so he'll lead you in that. But He's going to lead you by your spirit. He does not want to lead us by outside events that the enemy could interrupt. And so we do not want to ask God to lead us the way Gideon did. We are New Testament believers. We do not need a fleece. Now, a fleece refers to Gideon in the book of Judges. Gideon, the Lord told him to do something and he said, Lord, if that's you, when I get up in the morning, let the fleece be dry and all the ground around it be wet. And so when he got up in the morning, it was the way he had asked to see it and it confirmed that it was God. And then he needed some more clarification. So he said, now, okay, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, uh, allow the the ground all around it to be dry in the next morning and then the, the fleece or the cotton to be wet. He wanted it reversed. And sure enough, when he got up the next morning, it was the way he had asked for God to confirm it. That was an Old Testament way of confirming the will of God 
it is not appropriate for the New Testament believer. The enemy can hear that and mess it up. He could hear that and send you the wrong thing and you would think it. God in the New Testament designed for the Holy Spirit to be our leader and to be our guide and to be the one who instructs us. And He has peace as the mechanism by which we know that's the will of God. I don't need to see it. I don't need physical evidence. I don't need this person to say this or this person to walk in with a red hat. I don't need three blue cars and two green ones to drive by my house. I don't need any, any uh, sign in the natural. If I have peace, that is enough. If I have the inner witness, that is enough. Amen? And so recognizing His voice in the Word allows us to, uh, as we become familiar with how He deals with us and ministers to us with that peace, with that prompting, with that leading in the Word, then when He speaks to us about something in a natural circumstance, we will recognize that's the Spirit of God. And if a person is not flowing in peace they're going to have a hard time recognizing peace when it comes you've got to allow peace to be in to be positioned in your life already a person who has chaos constantly going on in their life always drama dramacidal Drama, drama, drama. Got drama about the family. Drama about, did you see what they said? Did you this, this, this? Drama about the news. Drama at work. Drama everywhere they go. Got all this constant worry, constant chaos, constant. That person is going to have a difficult time hearing because God is not going to shout through the drama in that chaotic life. We've got to learn to be still and know. We've got to learn to build that relationship with Him where we have a stillness that He he doesn't have to scream over the music, scream over the news, scream over all of the noisy things going on in our life. But we are are disciplining ourselves to set our, our time aside, set our hearts in tune, always tuning in to the God channel always tuning into his frequency throughout the day. That's the purpose when Ephesians tells us, be being filled, making, singing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. The purpose of that is I'm constantly, I'm tuning in. And if I'm tuning in, I can hear, oh, you, you wanted to say something? But if a person is all focused continually with outside things, natural circumstances, the problem, the drama, the chaos, all of this, they're not tuning in and God is just going to stand back. He's not going to interrupt. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. And so that interaction, learning how to live on a constant interaction with the Lord will benefit us because then we're always uh, open for instruction. We're always open for any warning he may need to give us. We're always interacting with his spirit uh, and, and learn. Here, here's an, another thing, and I'm just, I haven't even got to my notes yet. I'm just speaking out of my heart, so this will, I believe this will bless you. The, the book of Proverbs tells us to acknowledge the Lord, acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will direct our paths. The word direct means to straighten or unbend. Straighten or unbend. The acknowledging of the Lord is something we should practice. Because we can get used to doing a certain thing. We can get used to our lifestyle. We can get used to our daily routines and forget to acknowledge Him. When David went out to battle, he inquired of the Lord. And he didn't just inquire of the Lord one time and then every time after that, I know what to do because God told me last time. He inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, pursue, overtake, and recover all in one circumstance, right? 
when they had come into Ziklag and taken his wife and his children and the whole city burned it. And he said, Lord, he inquired of the Lord. Well, why didn't he just jump up on his horse and say, hey, we know what to do. He, he stopped first and he acknowledged the Lord. But there was another time that he acknowledged the Lord and the Lord told him, I want you to go around this way by the mulberry bush. God had a different strategy. And if he had not acknowledged God, he might have missed that strategy that gave him the upper hand, that put him out ahead of the situation. So when we acknowledge the Lord, he will straighten or unbend our paths. One minister in the early days of his ministry, he was working with Brother Hagin there at Ramah, and he said there was a certain investment scheme that was going on. It was very popular in the churches, and a lot of the people that he respected and trusted had invested in this, this scheme, this, uh, this triangle, pyramid, pyramid investments or whatever. And he said it looked legitimate. It looked like it would be profitable. It looked good. A lot of godly people who I thought were spirit-led people, maybe, you know, whatever. He wasn't judging the people who had, but he said it kind of just made me give me the go-ahead that I should do it. And he said the day I was going to get the money out of the bank to meet this person and invest in this investment, I decided to pray about it. That day, he said, I just asked the Lord. It occurred to me I had not even brought this up to the Lord. And he said, that morning, I asked the Lord, Lord, am I supposed to do this? Is this good for me? And he said, the Lord told him, I have not given you any indication or reason to trust that person. If he had not opened the conversation, the conversation would never have been had because God is not going to, not going to impose his will. We have to acknowledge him. We have to ask him. We have to, that's something you've got to teach yourself. You've got to discipline yourself. Before you just run headlong into something, Lord, what do you say about this? If there's anything, Brother Hagen, I remember hearing Lynn Hammond say, she said when he would come to pray, they would have him each year for the two or three week long uh, meetings that he would come and have there in their church in Minneapolis. And she said when he would pray during those morning services, she said, I would get close to Brother Hagen because I wanted to hear how Brother Hagen prayed. And she said, I heard him pray. Lord, I have these meetings. And he began to list off the meetings that he had scheduled in different cities. He said, Lord, I have these meetings scheduled, but if you want to change my schedule, I'm open to you. If there's something else you want me to do, Lord, I'm open to you. Uh, someone asked his daughter, Sister Pat Harrison, uh, who will be with us soon in the next couple of months. She'll, she'll, she'll be back with us. But someone asked her, I think it was Pastor Nancy Dufresne asked her, is there one thing that you remember that your father did that, that marked you? And she said, at the beginning of every year, my father would lay his plans out, his ministry plans before the Lord, and ask the Lord if there was any changes he wanted made to them. Well, from those two testimonies, it sounds like to me, Brother Hagen was training himself or had trained himself to acknowledge the Lord so that the Lord could correct him or straighten it out or unbend that path if there was something that needed to be done differently. Amen? And so as we are learning to rely on the realm of answers, let's let those things uh, um, become part of our daily uh, act, interactions with him as well. Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3. Let's see if we can uh, get into, and we've covered a lot already. If you did not get that first session, I encourage you. It's on our YouTube channel. We are working to get our podcasts uh, recalibrated, but we're in the position of changing from one um, uh, 
company to another where our live stream is concerned because the first company, their, their podcast distribution went down and they are not fixing it. And we have a lot of people who feed on our podcast channels. So uh, it is available, though, for free through our word supply so you can stop and order that part one of relying on the realm of answers. Uh, 3.19 of the book of Proverbs. Let's read verses 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding has he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. We see wisdom, understanding, and knowledge identified in these verses as instruments God used in the creation of the world. Specifically, uh, wisdom being the foundation and then understanding being the structure, and then knowledge providing details. So we see the need for all to be operating in our lives. The wisdom of God, the understanding of God, the knowledge of God, they are going to provide us a foundation. They're going to provide us a structure for our marriage, a structure for our finances, a structure for raising our children, a structure for the decisions that we make. And then we're also going to see the application of the knowledge of God to these details in our life. Uh, To access God's knowledge, His wisdom, there is a specific uh, um, manner or a specific action. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. Attention is necessary. And, and the, the skill of keeping your attention on something will grow as you endeavor to attend to it. When I first got saved, they actually say, let me, let me precursor this example with this, they actually say that when they teach us to do children's ministry and youth ministry, they teach us to keep our teaching point within the attention span of the age of that child. So if you're teaching a class of three-year-olds, after about three minutes, you've lost them on that point. I have a teacher nodding her head. That is, it, it, it is a true application of the attention. If you have teenagers, after about 15 to 17 minutes, you're going to lose them. So you've got to, that's why you can switch. You can, for about 15 minutes, you're going to do this with the worship. At about 15 minutes, you're going to have this, this, this study. About 15 minutes, you're going to have this game that's using those things they learned in the the lesson why because we want to take all these different breaking it up in their attention span to teach them what we are trying to deposit in their heart Um, well as I came into church having not sat in church I didn't stay with the preacher long (laughs) you know Television teaches you, teaches you you need that the commercials come every, what, seven, ten minutes, something like that. It's broken up with those commercials, and, and it's training people, keep their span of thought, their attention, and then a commercial comes, and we're going to run and get some iced tea, and we're going to, uh, you know, uh, put something in the washer or whatever we do, Right? And then we're going to come back and now I'm going to try to get my attention back on that for another 10 minutes before the next commercial. So here I am in church and, you know, about 20 minutes into the message, I'm thinking about my grocery list. I need to stop on the way home and pick up some milk. I need to get this for the kids. I need to do this. Did I turn off the iron? Anybody else ever have that issue? Did I turn off the iron? I started just unplugging that iron and making myself look at it. So I know I looked and I checked. The iron is off. And I have asked my angels to unplug the iron if I left it on because I would have been too far to turn back. So angels, if I left that iron on, please unplug it. My attention span was 
where I had trained it to be. And I had to learn. Taking notes helped me. Following along in my Bible helped me because it was purposefully taking that thought and, and dictating it down on that page so that I could remember it again. But the attention span had to be trained so that I could stay focused on the Word of God because I didn't want to miss what was bringing me life. So he says, attend if you want to know. Verse um, 20, hallelujah, of the same chapter, my son, attend to my words. And, And then he gives us some specific ways that are necessary for attending. Incline your ear and don't let them depart from your eyes. Keeping it in the ear and in the eye is how we get it in the heart. Full faith does not come with one hearing. Full faith, full faith, abundant hearts are not produced with one hearing. If we want it in abundance, we're going to have to hear it and hear it and hear it. And we're going to have to let it build until a fullness arises in the heart. Faith comes by hearing, but the word hearing is a present progressive, which means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So the faith doesn't come by what I have heard. I've used that faith already. I've already already distributed that faith. I've already placed a demand on that faith, the faith that came from what I heard. And so a continual hearing means a continual faith is coming. Hallelujah. And every day is a faith day. There's not one day you're going to get up and not need faith. Pastor's book is almost ready. Every day is a faith day. He's taught us every day we need faith. There's not one day that you can say, I don't need my faith today. I'm going to leave it at home. Not one day. You use your faith every day. The just shall live by faith. We're walking by faith. It is a requirement for every day. So there needs to be attention given so that I am hearing the words of God, the wisdom of God. And here's here's a sign of of spiritual maturity. And I know you all want to remember this. Here's a sign of spiritual maturity. That I can listen to a verse that I have heard hundreds, maybe thousands of times and still give my attention to it when I hear it. That if pastor says, turn to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, I'm not going to say, I know that verse. I already know. I've gotten everything I could ever get from that verse. I can't see anything I haven't already seen by turning. No, I'm going to turn to it and I'm going to look at every word on that page, every word in that verse. Why? Because there's more I can get. It is not something that's just knowledge in my head. It's food for my spirit. I'm feeding on this. I'm feeding on Mark 11. I'm feeding on Hebrews 11. I'm feeding on Hebrews 10, 23. I'm feeding on it. It's it's medicine to all my flesh. It's health to all my flesh. Amen? Amen? And so a person who is proficient spiritually is a person who has learned to never grow weary in well-doing where the word is concerned. Never looking at that scripture and saying, I already know that. Just because I've heard it doesn't mean I can't get something from it. Amen. So the attention is the same as if I'm hearing it for the first time. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 5 says, My son, attend unto my wisdom. Now, I've just pulled three examples out. There are many in in the book of Proverbs alone that talk to us about giving attention. Give your attention. Give your attention. Give your attention. And the uh, society we live in has recognized the power of your attention to the point that they will pay millions of dollars to get 30 seconds of a commercial during a Super Bowl event only because they want 30 seconds of a person's attention to sell their product to them because they understand how valuable uh, 30 seconds of someone's attention span could be to their company. Amen? How much more if we learn to discipline our attention 
keeping it off of the problem, keeping it off of the evil report, keeping it off the things that would produce fear or doubt and learn to discipline it to only focus in on truth, only give my attention is so powerful, so important to my future, I only want it on truth. I, I don't want to waste it on filler. Filler is, is fodder. Filler. Things that don't matter. There, there are a lot of... There are a lot of TV shows that don't profit anything and people will binge watch them spending an entire weekend of their time that they can't get back. The time, we can't get it back. We believers can redeem our time, but once I spend it, I have a number of days. It's a long, satisfying life. Fullness of my days. But when my time, when, when, whether I live to 120 I'm not saying that God told me I'm going to live to 120, but He has promised me a long, satisfying life. But there's still a measure of my days. Hallelujah. I, Brother Keith Moore, he says, there's not anybody here alive on the planet from the 1800s. Nobody is here who was on the planet back in the 1800s. Why? Because their time expired. My attention cannot be on filler, fodder, because that will take up space that knowledge needs to have, that revelation needs to have, that wisdom needs to have. So the more particular I am with what I give my attention to, that will show the profit in my life. When the Apostle Paul told Timothy, meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly to them and your profiting will appear to all. In other words, people are going to be able to see you living out the wisdom you've been feeding on. They're going to see it lived out in your daily life. Your profiting will appear by what you've been meditating on, what you've been giving your attention to. So our attention is something that we need to be uh, particular with and specific. Mark 4, Mark 4, let's look at... Um, verse 11 the parable of the sower is a foundation truth and it is, it is one of those truths that should never become old to us and he has just talked about the parable of the sower, and explained the parable of the sower. He goes through, in verse 11, it's right prior to the explanation. In verse 11, he says to them, in answer to uh, what does this parable mean, he said to them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all things are done in parables. Unto you it is given to know. We are also disciples as those who ask this question in that day, in that specific in instance. They wanted to know and Jesus said unto them, this is true for us today. It is given to us to know. It is given to us to know the mysteries. He wants us to know the mysteries. Unto them that are without, it was given to them in a parable. And in the parable, the truth could be there even when they weren't able to see it. To them, it was a story that they weren't unlocking the truth of it. But if they ever came into the knowledge of the truth, 
God could unlock that parable to them because now it's stored in their heart in the form of a parable, hidden, hidden in a parable. They think they know a story, but what they really have is a truth locked into a story. So it wasn't being hidden from them by placing it in a parable. It was hidden so that anybody who ever becomes spiritually aware then the Holy Spirit can bring that story back up to them and they can say, I got it. Now I see what he meant. Now I see what he was talking about when he said the sower sows the word and the word was sown by the wayside. Now I see what he meant when they come into that truth, when they come to that place. There, when I, my elementary Spanish class and I attended elementary Spanish a number of times and conversational Spanish a number of times to, to become where I am. The, the verbs that gave me the hardest uh, uh, difficulty, I took that class three times. <laughs> the one with the past tense verse, three times. But in that first elementary Spanish class, there was a woman who, and, and that teacher, he was such a foundational teacher. I'm so grateful for Professor Gonzalez. He would, he would put it on the board. He would quiz us over it. He, was, he, he, he made it visual. He made every different way a person learns. He was trying to interact. Well, there was one woman who all she wanted to know was how to say something a certain way, and it was the present progressive. She wanted to be able to say, uh, and, it's, and I'll tell you why, because it's easier. To be able to say, when I can't figure out how to, how to conjugate that verb any other way, I will back up to present progressive and say, estoy andando, estaba andando. Why? Because that, that certain verb tense, I can figure out, as long as I know how to put estoy in front of it, I can, I can, I can figure that, that one out. So I now know why she wanted to do it that way. But he was taking us a certain foundational way. And she, she, I remember the day that she was confronting him. I just want you to tell me how to say it that way. And he said, no, no, no. <laughs> Be patient. And then he would just smile. Be patient. Be patient. And, and pastor can sound just like him. Be patient. And it was because learning it that quick way wasn't, best it would have hindered her from learning it the the line upon line precept upon precept manner that would have given her the skill that she could have uh, used in other circumstances she wanted just to know how to do it that one way and 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 she, it would be jumping ahead three chapters for him to have done that he wouldn't do it and he took her back no 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 be patient, learn this way. Why? Because this is going to set you up. It's a foundation. It's a foundation. And there are some truths, some, some concepts, some things of the kingdom that we've got to master in the foundation so that he can build other things on top of it. You cannot teach a child the... the um, C-H and C-R before you teach them the, the sounds that the letters make. Because if, if you try to jump ahead and teach a principle that's a second grade level before they have mastered the elementary level, then they are going to, uh, they are going to be lacking in the skill and the foundation. And the foundation sets how high I can build the building. John Osteen, Joel's father, who founded that church, had built a building and called his builder and said, I want to put a third story on this building. And the builder said, Pastor, we can't do that. He said, I'm the pastor. I can do it. We can do it. We're going to build a third story. He says, no, sir, I'm the builder. And I'm telling you, we don't have a foundation for, for any stories to be added to that building. 
When we built that building, we did not lay a foundation that would support any additions being added. So I'm telling you, sir, we can't add on top of that. Why? Because the foundation will determine how high it can be built. Amen? And so there are foundational things in the Word of God that we need to embrace to the point that we become proficient in them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unto you it is given to know the kingdom. The Weiss translation says it is in your possession to know. It is in your possession to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3 verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, in the New Testament, the word conversation is an interesting word. It is not limited to verbal communication. It is a word that means behavior, manner of life or conduct. So whenever we see this word conversation, let your conversation, let him show out of a good conversation, it's not just his verbal communication. Let him show out of his manner of life. Let him show out of his conduct. Let his behavior Exhibit the wisdom and the knowledge, which is what he said to Timothy, meditate on these things and your profiting will appear unto all. People are going to see you walking out the wisdom of God in your life. They will see you make decisions and take a direction and wonder, how did you figure that out? What, what caused you to go in that direction that put you in the right place at the right time? For all the right open doors and the favor of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hold your place right here. We're going to come back. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. The person who is wise and endued with knowledge. Chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We want our behavior to show that wisdom, don't we? Amen. We want our behavior we want our manner of life. We want to be walking out the wisdom of God so people can see the wisdom in the choices that we're making. He says in uh, chapter 2, I want to begin in verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. If we get far enough into this teaching today, we're going to see that it is often referred to in the New Testament a difference between the wisdom of man or the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. There's a differentiation between the two. So he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Hallelujah. Demonstration. My speech was, in, uh, was with demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That word is talking about mature, developed. Among them that are developed, we speak wisdom among them that are developed, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. So there is a wisdom that is in this world that is respected among the world, but it comes to nothing. It, there's no profit in it. Amen. It's not going to cause... Your, your profiting won't... The, you, not you. You are operating in God's wisdom. That other person in that other place, they... If they are operating in man's wisdom, their profiting will not ever be apparent because it comes apparent because it comes to nothing. That it comes to nothing. So verse seven, 
But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So we speak wisdom that God ordained for us, for our glory. He chose it. He set it aside. He put it back for us. It's, our, it's for us to operate in. We speak this wisdom in a mystery, this wisdom that God has appointed for us. Hallelujah. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The, the, the devil would never have continually done everything that he was associated with to, to, to move Jesus in the, the direction of the crucifixion because he thought he was getting one thing. And God knew his plan was unfolding and the enemy never knew it. The enemy never knew it until it was too late, uh, until there was nothing he could do about it. And then, and then he's got Jesus resurrected from the dead with all power and all authority given unto him and Jesus is delegating authority and now and then he gets there on the, the, the day of Pentecost and, and 3,000 people get saved and 5,000 people get saved. Thousands of people are getting saved. He would never have pushed for that crucifixion. He would never have stirred up that crowd to say, crucify him, give us Barabbas. He would never have done that. Hallelujah. Now, how was that wisdom spoken? How was that wisdom spoken? It was prophesied. It was declared by the mouth of his prophets. Jesus fulfilled, which is revelation, Jesus fulfilled every prophetic utterance about him Hallelujah, because every prophetic utterance was the word spoken. Jesus, the word made flesh, the word spoken. He came in line with the word that had been spoken. When, when Isaiah said, the government shall be upon his shoulders, his name shall be Emmanuel, thousands, hundreds of years before Jesus entered the planet, and Satan didn't know it, but it had been spoken. I mean, God, in the presence of Satan himself, God said, the seed of the woman shall crush your head. You might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your headship. That word was the word rosh when it means authority, dominion. He's going he's to destroy your dominion. And Satan didn't get it. Hallelujah. So the words were spoken, but because the frequency wasn't tuned into, he could, he could not receive the revelation of the words that were spoken. He could hear the words spoken and still not get what it meant. What does that mean? He didn't have the, the ability to unlock. It is given to you to know. It is given to you to know. Hallelujah. The women went to the tomb where they had left Jesus' body. They had prepared him to a certain point and then when the hour came for Sabbath to begin, they had to stop their preparations and they were not complete and they wanted to honor the Lord's body and so they came back to finish the preparation of his body, entombing his body in the, 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 the wraps and all of the different spices they were supposed to put on a person after they were deceased. And so they came back. And they came back sad. You know, they'd, they'd been sad all weekend. Do you, do you think they were sad all Sabbath? Do you think they spent their time sorrowing? I do. They, I mean, they left sad. They came back sad. They came back ugly face, you know, cry face. 
because they've been crying for days. You know, when a person cries for days and their sinuses are all swollen and their eyes are swollen and can't even put makeup on your eyes after you've been crying all night. I mean, you can't even get any eyeshadow to stay on those swollen eyes. They, 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 they were in the emotional tumult and sorrow and, and, and despair of what had happened to Jesus, how unjust it was, how, how sad it was, how he was such a good leader. He was uh, the, the one who had changed their lives and done miracles in front of them. And now they were going back to the tomb to finish preparing his body. And they get there and an angel asks them a question. Why are you looking here? For a man who's not dead. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Don't you remember what he said? And then the angel re-preached what Jesus said. And the next verse says, Luke 24, the next, or, or I'm, I'm thinking Road of Emmaus too. Uh, the next Verse says, they remembered his words. When they remembered Jesus' words, their attitude changed, their emotions changed, their direction changed, their activity changed. They don't need these spices anymore. They don't need these grave clothes anymore. Why would I continue along the path I've been on that I now I know something that I haven't known? I should have known it because he said it to me. I should have known it because he said it to me. Every time I read that, I come back to the Lord and say, Lord, if there's anything you've said that I've missed, I'm asking for your mercy. Please tell me again. And do you know that the scripture says the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things God has spoken? That's one of his greatest teaching points to remind you what God already said to you. But why? Because we can let it slip. That's what he said in the book of Hebrews. Give the more earnest heed, which is the word attention. Give the more earnest heed, lest the things which you have heard so that you don't let them slip. Give more earnest heed to the things you have heard, Hebrews 2. Why? So that you don't let them slip. They let it slip. They, they, they wept all weekend for no reason. They spent their days and nights sorrowing for no reason. All of heaven was in fiesta party celebration mode. Why? Because the way has been opened. The blood has been shed. Sin is no longer standing between God and men. The Savior is available to redeem them from their sin, to wash them clean and make them sons. Heaven was rejoicing and all the people who knew Jesus and walked with him were crying. Simeon and Anna, on the day he was born, or the day he was actually brought to the temple after he was born to be to be. Uh, dedicated to the Lord. They saw something in Jesus that people who had walked with him didn't see. They knew him as the Christ by the Spirit. And people who walked with him did not know the fullness. They didn't know. And he was telling them the whole time. They didn't know. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it fall into the ground and die... It will come up and bring forth many. Hallelujah. A great harvest. So what? They were like, what? What did he say? What? Oh, he's talking about wheat again. He's got another agricultural story again. You know, that farmer coming out in Jesus. They, they were one day talking amongst themselves. Jesus said, Beware of the leaven, of the Pharisees. And they said, did you forget the bread? I told you not to forget the bread. We didn't bring bread. (laughs) 
Why? They weren't getting what Jesus was saying. They walked with him on the earth, face to face, shoulder to shoulder. They were in his presence. And the angel said, don't you remember what he said? And when they remembered what he said, listen, they hadn't seen him yet. They hadn't touched him yet. They hadn't heard his voice yet. But once they remembered what he said, the knowledge that he had given them changed everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they run back. Now listen, I know we have called Thomas Doubting Thomas. But when you get to heaven, you better not call him Doubting Thomas. We don't want to be bringing up his past. His, Thomas. You know, Thomas wasn't the only one that doubted. When you read the story, they were all incredulous. When those ladies came back and said, the Lord is risen, it, one translation says they, they thought their words were hysterical nonsense. I think that's the Weiss translation. They, 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 they thought they were words of nonsense and hysteria. They said he's... And isn't that what they said on the way to Emmaus? They said, and even some of the ladies in our group went to his tomb and they claim... What? They've just been crying too long. They're just emotional. They're just in denial. They're claiming something. What? The, all of those disciples were having the same issue and Jesus had told them where they were supposed to meet him after he raised from the dead. Hallelujah. But they were all crying and upset. It is given to us to know. It is given to us to know. It is given to us to know. Now the enemy, he will never be able to understand revelation knowledge. He'll never be able to understand this wisdom of God. It is, it is above him. But you and I can walk in this wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, Jesus is made unto us wisdom, sanctification, righteousness. He has made unto us wisdom. I am no longer separated from the wisdom of God. I have wisdom in its full capacity. I can know everything I need to know because I have access to the wisdom of God. It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 2, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. Now that scripture is identifying that it's not natural information that's going to reveal to you what is spiritual provision. Verse 10 is a continuation. And if people just stop and say, Well, I hath not seen, <laughs> and ear has not heard <laughs> the things which God has prepared for them who love Him. If we just stop right there and make our doctrine, then we're going to miss the fullness of the Spirit. But God has revealed. God has revealed. God has revealed them. Notice that's in past tense. God has revealed that by His Spirit. Hallelujah. God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The things that he's prepared for us. I'm on a quest. I'm on a quest. You know, ever since I ministered the Our God, Our Being in Christ series, the Our Being in Christ, whenever I get over and talk about our inheritance in Christ, I'm convinced I haven't seen it all. I'm convinced that there are many in the, that most of us have not seen even a portion of our inheritance. And, and we're not going to see it 
without attention being given to that. How many of you have ever read Annette Capp's book on the quantum faith? Have you ever read that? The emphasis of it is it's a scientific, what she learned in college, she came back and she said, that's faith in action. And the, there's a, the principle of the scientific discovery. At, for a long time, they thought the atom was the smallest that they could break anything down to. That the, for years, it was the molecule, and then they broke it down smaller into the atom. And they thought for many years that that's as small as they could break anything down. But then they went a step further and they found the quark. And in that step, they said when they would put it under the microscope, it wouldn't start to move until it was looked at. And when you begin looking at it, it begins responding to you. When you begin to look at it, it, it responds to the one looking at it. That's revelation knowledge. If, if you seek you will find. It can be right there in front of you, but it's not making any movement until you begin looking for God. Colby was saying he had been in a, a pastor's home, raised around the Word, had spent nights sleeping with his head on the book. It wasn't changing him with his head on the book. Am I right? But the moment he asked God, show me, he began looking and God began responding. If you look for me, you can find me. Because I'm not hiding from you. I'm here if you look. If anybody ever gets hungry for God, He'll show Himself to them. If anybody ever reaches out for God and says, Lord, I want to know about your inheritance for me, He'll begin to reveal that inheritance. If you come and you say, Lord, show me how Jesus is my healer, He'll begin to reveal Himself as healer to you. If, you, if, if a person says... I, I, I don't need to know God in that way. I just believe God wants me to be poor and he doesn't want me to have any victory and I just believe it's a, I'm a stranger and a wayfaring stranger in this dry old land. And it, then, then they're not going to see the goodness. But if they ever say, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your goodness. God say, I'll let my goodness pass before you. I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll display the goodness of God for you. Hallelujah. So we've got to ask. We've, and that's the attention. I'll give you my attention with a desire to see this manifestation. Acts chapter 4, they prayed, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. God has had this church praying that for a year and a half, almost two years. We've been praying, stretch forth your hand to heal. We want to see signs and wonders. For people who aren't hungry for the signs and wonders of God, God's not going to display them. But as we develop our hunger and say, I want the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our services. I want the flow of His Spirit. I want the Spirit of God to have liberty to move with the word of wisdom, to have liberty to move with gifts of healings. I want there to be the, the, the power and the love of God on display. Amen. For the world to see. Hallelujah. If we hunger, He'll satisfy that hunger. For those who hunger and thirst for it, we'll be filled. We'll be filled. Amen. So this attention then, this attention is, I want to see what you're revealing, what you have revealed to us by the Spirit. The, the more you interact with the teacher, the more you're going to come away knowing. The more we interact with the teacher, learn how to ask the questions that will open up the conversation for the Holy Spirit to, to begin teaching you along a certain line. Uh, the, the great inventor, George Washington Carver, hundreds of uses from a peanut. God showed him those things. God showed him how to create all of those things out of a peanut. 
the story goes that he was in a church service where they were just preaching above everybody's head. So he went ahead and looked up at the ceiling. And he was there, and you know, it's wah, 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 the preaching was going on, and he's up there, he's searching God. And he's saying, God, show me the secrets of the universe. God said, that's too big for you, George. He said, Lord, show me this. He asked two or three things, and finally the Lord said, I'll show you what you can do with a peanut. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God gave him all of that insight in that one area. The more he looked at it, the more he saw. The more he looked into it, the more he saw. That's the wisdom of God at work in our lives. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. God is revealing to us by His Spirit. By His Spirit. So we're not going to get it through the natural means. The eye and the ear can conduct His wisdom in if we're looking at the Word. If we're looking at the Word, the Word is, are, contains the wisdom of God. It can, it can travel in through the eye if it's the Word. It can travel in through the ear if it's the Word. But just looking in the natural, through natural means, you will never see who you are in Christ. The fullness of who you are and what you can do. Just the evidence. Because it doesn't reveal to you who you are in Christ. You've got to let the light of God's Word reveal to you who you are in Christ. Your inheritance in Him. Hallelujah. 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 We're preparing for the harvest. And one of the things that we will be doing as we prepare for the harvest, even if you look around and you think, well, we know everybody in here and we know where they are with God. We're going to prepare the atmosphere with an altar call. Hallelujah. Because God is drawing people by His Spirit. And you may even be watching us online today and you might say, I've never known Jesus as my Lord. I heard that testimony and I'm in that same situation or I've just never walked in the light of that. Whether it's here in the sanctuary or watching by line, if that's you and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity today to know Him. If you would open up your heart and say this with me, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me he poured out his blood and paid the price to redeem my life I believe God raised Jesus from the dead today I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.